0: And welcome back once again to another episode of the Academics Podcast. And I just want to thank everyone for making it this far. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to some previous episodes where I sit down and talk with a bunch of different people in the industry around LA, where they talk about a range of different things that are beneficial to people looking to get into the advertising industry, whether you're a student are switching careers or just curious about it. So yes, make sure you go back and check the backlog, subscribe, follow us on social media, all that good stuff. This conversation you're about to listen to is definitely one of my favorites. I got a chance to visit the 72 and Sunny offices in Playa Vista. I sat down with Julian Green, one of their talented copywriters. Julian's story is really unique and we got deep into a lot of subjects, including how he got his start fresh out of college, leaving his previous job to join 72, the importance of diversity in advertising. We speak about family, much much more. Julian also offers some great advice to people looking to pursue copywriting and does a great job of laying out what the daily routine is being a creative at 72 and Sunny. With offices in Los Angeles, New York, Sydney, Singapore and Amsterdam 72 and Sunny has been creating award-winning ads for major clients including Adidas, Coors Light, Samsung and Target for years. Their Facebook reads, 72 and Sunny creates cultural impact on behalf of brands This episode runs a little longer than most, but it's definitely worth listening all the way through. So sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is from one of the hottest creative agencies, not only in LA, but in the country. Not only the country, but actually the world in my opinion. Um, They're highly awarded, um, well-respected, so it's an honor to have uh, their copywriter, Julian Green, on the podcast today. Julian, how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, man, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Yeah.
0: Thank you for agreeing to sit down with me. I know you're, you're busy.
1: That's ah, no problem, no problem at all.
0: Okay, so I mean, let's just jump right into it. So you're a copywriter. Yep. You're at 72 and Sunny. As a copywriter, yep. what exactly does that mean?
1: Uh, well, anything in advertising that has to do with words, that is me. Uh, if you see a billboard with words on it, that's me. If you uh, see a commercial, chances are somebody wrote a script, that was me. Uh If you see those Instagram posts with the captions and that funny saying in the in the photo, that is also me, so pretty much I am the words behind the ads, so to speak it 's a lot of fun uh a lot of it 's just kind of blabbering on until you get the right <laughs> the right words. I like to say that we 're all kind of uh rappers in a sense because we 're all just trying to put pieces of the puzzle together, and if it comes out sounding great, then great, you got an ad but uh yeah it's cool i've been loving it so far
0: okay uh so at what point did you figure out you wanted to be a copywriter
1: uh well i was always into storytelling like period like as a kid i always grew up just kind of uh idolizing like television and movies and as i got older i started to realize that i was just really into the idea of storytelling and to like open up a window into uh, somebody's like life or their experiences and things of that sort. It was just something that I was always infatuated with starting in a uh, realizing in high school and so when I got into college uh, I had this dream of being a, a screenwriter just like writing movies and like stepping into that field but then um, obviously like the more wise I got in college the more I realized that Hollywood is the most fickle type of job you can get, especially for someone like me who had, like, a girlfriend at the time and, like, trying to move out, like, make it out on my own, like, really wanted to find something that's semi-stable, so advertising was, like, the next best bet, and I kind of uh, fell into it um, when a uh, professor of mine, uh, we got to talk in and at the time I was a business major, because when you go to college and you don't know what to do, chances are you become a business major because you want to wear the suit and carry the briefcase, right? And that's what I wanted to do until eventually she just told me, like, well, you seem more personable than most businessmen, you know? Like you seem more uh, outgoing, more outspoken, you have things to say. Uh, great storyteller so she kind of like turned me into the communications uh major so i switched my major over took a couple of classes just to see like where i fit things like multimedia editing but what really like captured my eye was uh was uh advertising and in that like i realized like oh i can use my talent for telling stories and writing and putting that into 60 second spots which is a really cool challenge to have like you know it's really a. Uh, I'm not gonna say easy, but it's uh it's it's one thing when you have all the time in the world to create a hundred and twenty minute film, but it's a whole new challenge when it's like condensing uh a whole story into something that's only visualized with a look or in like a sixty-second spot or maybe even a fifteen second spot. And I always liked challenges like that. So uh, the more I got into it in school, the more I started to realize like, hey, copywriter is like the thing that I want to do. And and who knows, maybe like later on in the future, maybe that might turn into uh, a film or something like that, you know. So copywriting, as soon as I figured out what that was, it was just something that I did everything in my power to make happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say you did everything in your power to make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. I think a, a big part of transitioning from school into an agency or into the real world or finding a job is, you know, just being focused on one thing mm-hmm. and, and getting and finding figure out figuring out ways to, to get to that to that place. Um I know you studied like PR and advertising. Yeah. Um so was there ever a thought in your mind that you would work maybe um in a different field, not necessarily for an agency, but maybe for a brand?
1: Uh, You know what? It's funny because when I when I officially changed my major to PR and advertising, like it was my first time really realizing that that was a job. Right. Like it was one of those. Oh, shit, I can do that. Sign me up type of moments, you know, and that's when I really like got into it. But at the time, like I didn't understand what all that entailed, right? Like getting in advertising, getting your foot in the door, like how I was gonna make that happen. It was just something that sounded really cool to me and that's something that I wanted to do. But uh, while I was in school, it was a lot of uh, like, you know, you sit in class, you concept, and you know, a professor gives you a project, you get like five other people who don't know what they're doing, or maybe just the one guy who knew everything about advertising before getting into the class. Uh, you guys come together, you do a project, and it's kind of like, Any other project that you would do when you're in school, you know, you have the one who doesn't do anything, you have the one who does everything, and then you just have the people in between just trying to, like, like, put their name on something so they can feel like they've done something, but, uh, that, and that was, a kind of like the, uh, what I like to call the, the false, it's, it's like a false sense of, uh, this is what advertising is, right, and it's like, yeah, you're learning what advertising is, sure, but you're not necessarily knowing the ins and outs of what exactly advertising can be. And so once I graduated, I kind of uh, was like, oh shit. Like, okay. While I was in school, I had no idea like who to talk to. Like I have no experience that I can really show, you know, I don't have a portfolio. I didn't even know a portfolio wasn't even a thing (laughs) while I was in school. all I'm doing is kind of like applying to these jobs and I'm not even getting past the uh the uh the resume bit because once they say like oh let's see your portfolio like what website I'm just kind of wait website portfolio wait what yeah. like I'm just graduating <laughs> what is going on and so it while I was there like it wasn't really like I was thinking about like what agency I wanted to go to what brands I wanted to work for I was just kind of still in this world of like I see a commercial on TV and I really like it and I want to do something like it mm-hmm. so uh it wasn't until uh I got a email from one of my professors, I think it was Dr. Eagle or Professor Sharp, and it was uh for the One Club Creative Boot Camp. And I was kind of in this mode, and this is gonna sound really weird, but it was a couple years ago. Do you remember that Shia LaBeouf like video that came out with him screaming on the green screen, like got do it, you gotta do it, just do like I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I always tell people this, and they always look at me like the fuck. Oh, Okay, uh, he inspired the shit out of me, just like Shia LaBeouf on a computer on my laptop, screaming at me to just do it. Don't let my dreams be dreams. It really made me go, he's fucking right. Like I should just do it. I should just talk about it. I should just dream about it. I should just fucking do it. So I was, kind of, I was really. In that mode. So, like, between that happening and between me getting that email, it just so happened to happen at the right time. And I was just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll sign up for it. Because usually somebody invites me somewhere, I'll say, yeah, you know, I'll go. Yeah. And then I don't. <laughs> and I don't feel bad about it. But I ended up actually uh, signing up for the uh, boot camp. And because I said, this is only going to benefit me and, like, what I want to do with my life. You know, this is my life that we're talking about here. And uh, I ended up going to the creative boot camp. And it was fucking terrible it was um, i had no for me like wow. the boot camp itself wasn't terrible i was terrible in it and because i didn't know what was going on i didn't know any of the lingo i didn't know any of the uh any of the uh proper etiquette of like how the creative process was to was supposed to go mm-hmm. and apparently a lot of people lean on a copywriter to come up with you know the big creative idea like the story of everything and here I am just kind of like with these blue sky aspirations like oh yeah we can get some cheese and make it fly somehow we don't know (laughs) just flying cheese it sounds cool and I just kind of like took that as like a uh like a like a loss like a tank year where I just kind of like used that as an opportunity to kind of like soak in what everyone was doing and like how the creative process worked and like who are the names in advertising like what's a copy what really is a copywriter what's a uh, art director what is a brand uh, what is a brand person what is a strategist like i really like took all of that in and uh i ended up like applying for it the very next year and i did a lot better and so that's when i really started to really feel like okay well now i really am getting like a feel for uh what type of brands i want to work on what type of work that i want to make personally and uh, so it was like a really roundabout way of like, finding out what type of ad man I wanted to be, mm-hmm. so to speak, because at the beginning, I was just kind of like, yeah, advertising sounds cool, but I didn't know anything about it. But it took, if it wasn't for Shia LaBeouf and my professor and the uh, One Club Creative Bootcamp, then I never really would have you know, figured that out. You know, I probably would have just been in like, free fall like, the entire time. Yeah. So.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the One Club. I actually went to my first One Club event last week. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm an advocate for especially students uh, participating in, you know, extracurricular things mm. uh, based on what they're interested in, advertising specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just explain for the listeners who don't know what the One Club is, what it is?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the One Club uh, is pretty much this organization that is dedicated to uh Introducing the advertising life to young creatives and young uh, like students who want to get into like marketing, advertising, what have you, and the boot camp is pretty much a I think it's three days or four days I want to say four days it's a four day program where they give you a brief they give you a brand and they put you in teams and then throughout the course of those four days you have to create an ad campaign for that brand. And so, a lot of it is you team up with these people that you don't even know, and you try to come up with the entire Evergreen campaign, which is a campaign for uh, film, social media uh, activations, out of home, the whole, the whole nine, and you have to do that in four days. Mm-hmm. Usually, these things take a couple months <laughs> to accomplish, so it's a pretty big ask, and it's pretty, like, daunting, so you kind of uh, get the... Um, the real life experience of what advertising is during those four days. uh, A lot of times and the ones that I went to were both hosted here at 72 and Sunny Mm. and they pretty much give us the entire uh, building of Herc 2 in the auditorium and then you're like scrambling for like rooms like conference rooms and you live in those conference rooms almost for almost 14 hours a day Mm. trying to bang out like what the idea is how can you accomplish it you come up with a giant presentation then on the last day you present it to the entire one club and there's judges and uh you're in front of everybody and you're just trying to pitch like what is so great about your idea and it's 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 weird because you pitch in front of everybody including the other teams so you see one team's like thing and like i'm so glad they don't do this in like real advertising (laughs) because if i have to pitch after seeing what Wyden does and then they like knowing that they're gonna see like what i'm doing like it definitely throws off like the creative process because you know obviously ideas sometimes tend to overlap Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the time it's like oh whoever says it first like they're better or they're smarter which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and so like that whole process goes into it and uh uh but the one club was like really cool because it really like it really like takes all these people who have the same passion as you and it like kind of like bonds you together like and it kind of like brings you together to like solve one common problem and it, it, it honestly is like a super super like heightened version it's, it's a true version but it's a heightened version of what advertising is because. Obviously, you're not gonna come up with a campaign in like four days, unless your client is just kind of like, "Yeah, we're crazy. Let's do something like big. Let's change the world in like two days or something." But <laughs> uh, it, it was just uh, it was just something that really like benefited me as a whole, and when it comes to advertising, because it, I just remember very specifically we uh, we had this idea uh, the first time I went. It was for Totino's pizza rolls. Okay. And, it, again, this is, like, my tank year. So we, like, had this whole idea. I, I don't even know if I remember this idea because it was so bad. But we had basically made a mascot made of a Totino's pizza roll. He was just a giant pizza roll guy. Mm-hmm. And I think his name was, like, uh, Tony. Tony the Totino. <laughs> and, and we, like, had him on, like, social media campaigns where, like, he would, like like, have, like, social videos where he would tell you to eat pizza rolls. Cause the whole, the whole, uh, idea was called to uh, couch hard, which is what Totino's is doing right now. And so like, he would just be like him on the couch, just hanging out like, Hey bro, we're going to watch stranger things tonight. And it's just a giant pizza roll. It, it was, it was God awful. But, uh, the next year, uh, our client was a uh, Tillamook and what they wanted to do is they wanted to, uh, have Tillamook take over the entire West coast because they're usually, they're based out of Oregon. And so they really wanted to introduce uh, Tillamook to like the whole West Coast, meaning like California and uh, Texas and all those things. So we had this idea where called a uh, keep dairy on the move, which is we would take the, uh, the history of Tillamook is like they basically took like a ship, they sailed it to Oregon. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to take that history and like take that ship and create this thing called like a, uh, like a, a speak cheesy. <laughs> and it was basically this, this boat that when you walked inside, it was just this club filled with, like, dairy products instead of champagne. You had, like, these champagne glasses with, like, cheddar in it. And, like, you can, like, try yogurt and ice cream and all this type of stuff. And that uh, ship would move along the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Like, and it would go to, like, places like Long Beach. It would dock at Manhattan, at Manhattan Beach. Like, and we would have it, like, just kind of introduce the idea of Tillamook to everyone and then that like spread out to community gardens in Compton because Compton doesn't necessarily have like healthy food and things of that sort because all they do is eat hot Cheetos and McDonald's and yeah. you know most most people in Compton and I'm from Compton like we don't know anything about Tillamook we don't know how healthy it is we're usually stuck on the craft cheese and yeah. the the uh, market pantry from Target and that type of stuff so uh but I remember very specifically during this and this was on the uh Saturday, the the night before we were supposed to pitch at 10 a.m. the next morning, we sat there and we said, what the hell are we talking about? And we scrapped the entire campaign mm. the night before we were supposed to pitch it. Mm. And we just kind of was like, let's go back to, and this was a friend of mine. Her name was, uh, her name is uh, Brittany. She was, uh, she was basically like she was from Oregon and she was like, she was staying at a hotel with us, uh, in, in LA. And so she was like, Hey, just come to my hotel. Like we'll all hang out and we'll like work this thing out. We stay up to like three in the fucking morning, three, four in the morning, trying to like get this whole campaign out. And for the most part, we were literally just kind of like sitting around the hotel, just kind of like hanging out and talking about Tillamook and talking about life. And we realized like, that's when like a lot of the ideas like really started to come. And that's when, um, that 's when we like start to really get a grasp on what the creative process is like it's one thing to like have a deadline, and you know you 're always going to get deadlines when you 're working in advertising but it 's a whole nother thing when like you 're just kind of like hanging out talking, like not even thinking about the time and everything is just so natural right everything is just so like it 's coming it 's flowing, and you come up with an idea just off of something that somebody said about uh, how great a pizza was they had that one time and it was just like, that, and I think that's when it clicked for a lot of us in that room, where we were just all just kind of like, wow, like we have a campaign here. And then that's when we got to work. And then when we ended up uh, pitching it on that last day, we actually ended up coming in fourth place, mm. which was amazing because uh, I say fourth place because they gave us an honorable mention. Nobody else got an honorable mention. So I'm calling that fourth place, <laughs> um, but they really dug it. They really dug the ideas that we, had, that we brought to them. And, um, uh, that's what kind of got me noticed from uh, from the boot camp, and that's what got me my internship because uh, m- my pre- my presentation personally was like very appealing to the judges, and I think like somebody somebody out there remembered me, and next thing you know, I get an email a couple months later uh, asking if I can do an internship, and I was yeah. like, fuck yeah, and the rest is history after that.
0: So let me let me ask you this: you mentioned that you're from Compton, yeah, and you mentioned that the the, the cheese boat stopped in Compton, yeah. So I'm guessing that was your element that you threw into the project.
1: Yes, yes. Like the thing, the thing about uh, creating anything, and whether, and that means like whether you're writing a book, whether you're doing a screenplay for a movie, like art, like any piece of art ever, it's always from the heart of whoever puts that into it, right? It's their personality. It's a piece of them that goes into it. That's why we get so fucking crushed when an idea gets killed or yeah. something like that, because if you're, it's a, it's a personal thing, right? And so me me coming into advertising and me being from compton like i always have this like uh this need to always feel connected to where i'm from mm-hmm. like no matter where i go and coming in, coming into advertising being this uh dude from compton I obviously went to college but being in this uh space of like people who go to whole foods and talk about tillamook and these and like uh they only have tillamook yogurt here when like i grew up on the Play and the gogurts mm-hmm. and things like that it's like okay, what about me can, like, flip this all on its head? What about me can introduce, like, a new element to it? And how can we introduce, like, how can we introduce something healthy to people who haven't seen it before? Yeah. And I'm one of those people, yeah. right? Like, I'm learning about Tillamook as I'm working on Tillamook, mm-hmm. right? So it's like one of those Hail Marys, like, hey, what if we uh, introduce it to people just like me? Those people who are in the hood to eat the craft cheese, like... Uh, what if we did community gardens where we showed people how to make their own healthier food sponsored by Tillamook and we partner with those like those cities to make them uh, know what real dairy is? Because a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And so anytime I come up with an idea, I always try to add my own flavor to it because I feel like that part of advertising and that part of creating at just period is important especially in this uh in this like general climate because if we all hire the same people with the same mindset then we're all going to get the same thing every single time right and so exactly. i'm just trying to i'm just trying to add a little bit of julian and i hope that the next uh like you know jessica or daryl or anybody can add a little bit of piece of them into that work and that's how we get like different perspectives mm-hmm. because we all have the same we all have the same uh not the same experiences, but we all like, can relate to something. Like, as, From a basic human standpoint, we all can relate to sadness, we can relate to love, we can relate to joy, we can relate to embarrassing moments, right? And so just because somebody from Compton has an embarrassing moment that somebody from, say like, Rancho Cucamonga doesn't, hasn't ever been through, they can still sympathize with like how embarrassing that is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that there are some people out there who believe like, oh, well, I've never experienced that, so do you think anybody else would understand it? They don't have to understand it. They just have to understand how it makes people feel. True. They just I have to understand I, yeah, the feeling. I agree, you know? and
0: I think that speaks on you know two important things that I really haven't gotten a chance to to talk about on this season of the, the show, and one is how important it is as a, as a creative to um, be yourself yeah when you go to these job interviews so that um or when you're on an assignment just being yourself is going to create a more authentic product and people people see through the bullshit yeah you know and um i think it also speaks on the importance of having diversity in a creative
1: role oh yeah you know yeah there has to be somebody at the table for sure like uh we actually did this um this was a this was a project we did in-house and it was called uh bring yourself and uh Essentially, the uh, the leadership here they went to this seminar uh, where they just discussed diversity in the workplace, and they came back to uh, to the agency and they kind of recruited uh, some people of color around the office, like uh, just a bunch of people, and they wanted to come up with an idea for how to uh, demonstrate what it means to code switch when you're when you're in spaces that are seeped in white culture, right? And advertising. Uh, It's starting to get better now, but for the longest time, it was definitely steeped in, like, white culture. So, our job was to kind of, like, introduce what that switch was. And it's surprising that a lot of people don't know what code switching really is. Mm -hmm. And so, me and my partner, we just kind of, like, got together and we came up with this idea uh, called Bring Yourself, which was essentially, uh, we had the insight that whenever people come into work, they're checking the best parts of themselves at the door in order to fit in it's almost like it's almost like uh they're putting it in a bag and just kind of like leaving it Mm -hmm. because they don't want that baggage carried with them it's like cultural baggage right and so what we did was the execution was that we had 10 uh 10 people of color from around the office uh get a transparent bag and they will put uh items that represent the best parts of their culture into that transparent bag. Mm-hmm. And then what we would do is we would put that item on display in the auditorium for the whole agency to see, and attached to it we would have uh, audio that you can listen to. And the audio is told the stories of each individual items and why they feel like they can't bring that item into work. So, for instance, uh I made a bag myself. And in my bag I had Uh, uh, books like urban dictionaries and advertising books and things of that nature. And the thing that I felt like I couldn't bring to, and many times too, like even now, that I feel that I can't bring into the office is uh, my natural slang. You know what I'm saying? Like before I came into this agency, you know, I would like talk to people like, yo, what's good? How you feeling? Like everything chilling? Like all of that, use all my type of slangs that I grew up using in Compton. But then I realized the more time that I spent here, the more that started to change to appease everybody around me and to get them to understand me. Mm. And as a black man, especially as a black copywriter, you gotta f- be more articulate. You feel this need to be more presentable, right? And so I felt like I had to lock away that urban side of myself in order to fit this this mold that's been set for me when I come here, you know? And so those were like, and then I uh, also had in my bag like, uh, uh twisty sponge like a brush like a shaver because when I first started here you can even look at my uh my uh picture when I started here I had clean shaven head no beard no anything Mm -hmm. now I'm rocking that shit every day because now I have the new confidence to like actually be myself but before then it was all about like don't come in nappy headed don't come in rugged like people are gonna see you like as if you don't belong here if you come in that way Mm -hmm. and so we had tons we had like nine other people who like really opened up in these stories about like how they feel that they can't bring uh their like their own uh lunch in like we had somebody who was japanese american and she couldn't bring her own japanese food in because she was afraid that people were gonna come at her weird because her food smelled a certain way but she's like, but this is what I eat. Like, this is my lunch. This is like part of my culture. And she felt like she couldn't bring that in, you know? So it's like, it's, we really have to really take a deep look at ourselves as a creatives and as an agency as a whole, and really open our eyes to the people who are keeping those things away, you know? And, it, and a lot of times it's not because they're afraid. Some, some of that is like, they're trying to protect like who they are. Like, the minute that you do come in and you start, like, talking in that slang and start talking like the uh, like the black man that you are, then you become the one black voice in the room. And then people start to depend on you to give that black vote and give that black perspective when it's like, I know a lot more than that. I'm more than just the black person. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, like, being black is beautiful. It's great. Like, I love being, and I love bringing my blackness to it. But I don't want to speak for all black people, you know? So... We had like a really uh powerful discussion about this whole idea of cold switching through this uh through this execution of bring yourself and uh it was it was just one of those uh moments that really made uh, everyone in the agency just say i never i still get people who stop me and say i'd never thought about that before you know and like just like coming up with a concept of a transparent bag that you can see somebody's true self like that just kind of like really made it it, it turned the sensitive topic of race into something that was uh, approachable, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's, that's one of the projects that I was like really, really proud of. And, it was, and it's internal. It's something that hasn't been out in the world, a lot of people haven't seen. But the fact that it affected people so much to the point where I still get comments and that the agency is still trying to move forward with getting people of color to fully be themselves mm-hmm. and put that part of themselves in the work, then the job is done. You know?
0: Man, that that sounds really interesting. I just wish I could have like just been a fly on the wall in that <laughs> room. Like this sounds, I'm like I'm sitting here trying to process everything you're saying because it's so deep while you are going through it, and it's like that's amazing. It sounds amazing. Yeah, like, it's yeah. It's cool that you you were able to bring that to a place like this. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, very dope. Uh, I, I kind of want to stay on this topic. Cause okay. I, yeah. Sure. Um, Let's keep it going. So for for students who are entering in the industry, for me myself, um, I look at the statistics of. Black males specifically, or mm-hmm. black people in general, in, in the advertising, and it's scary. Yeah, you know? and yeah. coming into it, I w- I kind of was doubting myself or questioning: it. Am I doing the right thing? Like, mm. how are they going to look at me? How should I present myself when I go into this interview? Yeah. Um, what advice would would you give um, someone who's going to be on the job search soon, or, or they're looking for an internship, or looking for to be hired, um, and they're they're facing those same things? What would what would you tell a younger you at this
1: point? I would I would tell. I would tell a younger me to just keep being yourself. Like, keep getting those experiences and keep keep wondering what those experiences mean to you as a as a person. Whether that means you're a black man, Hispanic man, uh, even even Hispanic a uh, Hispanic woman, Middle Eastern woman. Like, make sure like you know what that means to you as a person because those are stories that people are going to want to hear. Those are stories that people need to hear, even if they don't want to. Like, our job as advertisers is to reflect what it is like to live in today's world. Because at the end of the day, like 20, 30 years from now, even beyond like next to books, like next to movies, people are going to look at advertising and they'll, they'll see the current climate from the work that we do here. And it is doing yourself a disservice. It's doing the world a disservice to keep yourself out of that conversation, to keep yourself out of that narrative. You got to put yourself into the narrative because you're a part of it, whether you like it or not. You're experiencing things just like a straight white male is experiencing things. You just got to put that perspective so that way people can see the other angles to it. Uh, The thing that I wish that somebody would have told me when I first got here is that it's okay to uh speaking slang as long as you're not being disrespectful obviously but it's okay to it's okay to talk the way you talk it's okay to walk the way you walk it's okay to eat what you want to eat like i was afraid we got a coke machine here that is the Coke Freestyle machine. You know, you can mix in the uh, grape. I know,
0: I know you're It's crazy,
1: right? You can mix in like orange with yeah. Coca-Cola and like it's in it's, lime with Sprite. Well, not line with Sprite, like grape with Sprite. And it's the weirdest yeah, yeah. thing. But I was afraid for the longest time to go in there and have somebody catch me sipping on the grape soda. <laughs> I was afraid, bro. Like it was cr- like, I remember very specifically, I tapped it, I saw a grape, my finger went to hit the grape. <laughs> And It froze, and I looked. T- I looked both ways. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what? Let me opt for the sprite. Let's just make it clear, and like, you know. So it was just, it was just one of those situations where I was just like, you know, what? I'm not even gonna let them, let them catch me like that today. Not today, but it's a uh, now. Like I'll go in there and I sit, uh, I get the biggest cup, and I put the grape soda in there now, and then I'll sip it. I'll be like, I'll do that. <laughs> Delicious. Like I'll get all extra with it. Ew. But now I have that confidence to really uh really truly be myself because like like that's who we are. You that's know what I'm you brought, brought into the room for. Right? Exactly. Yourself, bring something to the table. Exactly. Yeah,
0: I agree. So um yeah, so like we said earlier, you you, you started off interning here at seventy two. Yeah. yeah. Um you went on to be a junior copywriter. Yep. And you're now currently a copywriter. Yep. Um so can you just walk me through those those transition periods uh, moving up? the, the latter yeah, yeah. Was for you yeah
1: yeah for sure and this is this is going to be funny because like i said this all started like uh with the creative boot camp right and so and mind you i was at the time i was working at disneyland and i've been there for almost five years at the time and i was full-time went back down to part-time so i can do the internship here full-time now again like between me doing the creative boot camp and me graduating, like there was not a lot of experience on my end, like advertising wise. So during my internship, like I'm still just like flying by the seat of my pants, not knowing like what the lingo is, what the words are. So it was a lot of questions. It was a lot of, uh, luckily here at 72, they're really great with having their interns do hands-on work. So I didn't really like feel like I was on the outside looking in trying to learn what was happening inside, but I was actually in there in the dirt, like getting my hands dirty with it. So whenever you have that, you start to catch on to things like a lot quicker. But uh, again, I'm still just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, just kind of like, all right, like let me get, what's what's OOH means? Out of home, what's out of home? Billboards, ah, why didn't you just say billboards? Mm -hmm. So doing all that and like uh, at this time, I met my partner on the first day and uh, I came in as an intern for Adidas. But Adidas had uh, moved a lot of their work to Amsterdam and so for, like, about two, three days, me and my partner were just kind of, like, free-falling, just kind of, like, waiting for work to do, doing the intern thing. And then eventually uh, we um, we get brought on to a project for Infinity. And it turns out 72 and Sunny was pitching for the Infinity account. And so we were just kind of, like... Is like, that Infinity Cars? Yeah, Infinity Cars. Yeah, it should have been clear. But, um, yeah, so uh, we were on the pitch for Infinity, and we, like, kind of just... As interns, like we both really wanted to get hired. Like we were both just graduated. Like he just graduated. I just graduated Dominguez Hills. He just graduated out of a art center. And uh, we were just like, yo, whatever happens, man. Like we're interns. I think like the worst they can do is fire us. So let's just like go for it. And let's just like really like uh, act like we're juniors right now. And so we just kind of like, we kind of just like had the balls to kind of like not act like interns you know we kind of like walked in every day like we were working there we had no fear of like sharing our ideas uh not being afraid to like raise our hand and speak up in a room whenever people were concepting and uh 72 is good like that like they're really good at like taking like the person who's like lowest and still hearing them out and hearing those ideas like we've been encouraged on multiple occasions to actually bring what we were thinking to the table and some of those ideas ended up getting picked up during the pitch and some of those ideas actually helped win the pitch and so after that uh we actually ended up getting brought on as full-time junior copywriters and immediately i called disneyland and i was like all right <laughs> like, it was literally like right in front of uh, right in front of our recruiter her name was gretchen gretchen Torreson at the time and she, uh, like, I picked up the phone, like, right in front of her, like, yep, yep, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I, got, I got a salary now. I'm getting paid. Yeah. And so uh, then going into uh, uh, junior copywriter mode, it was the fact that we had the balls to kind of do what we did during our internship. Going from intern to copywriter wasn't all that big of a shift. It wasn't, like, a massive shift in... Um, and responsibility or anything because we like i said we walked in like we were already juniors already so uh everything that we were doing we just kind of like kept that same energy we kept that same fire and we kept uh just being a team that went balls to the wall with craziness and that's another like tip in this industry it's always great to go big and let other people pull you back than to go small and make other people lift you up so we just kind of like just kept going big and we kept like coming up with some great ideas and uh it was it was great we did that for about uh two years and uh we really started to really start filling ourselves when um one the uh, bring yourself project came around and then uh two they ended up uh we st- word around the agency started spreading that we were pretty good creatives like that 's uh just what the word was being said and we ended up um getting put onto Google and we started doing this uh project for uh uh Mar- uh, it was a google avengers endgame partnership which was like a really really big like project and really big production and i'm a fucking marvel fanatic man like i am like like comic books tv shows movies i've seen all of them i cried they dur- all throughout avengers endgame like throughout <laughs> the entire damn time uh i'm not gonna talk because like, i don't know if spoilers even though it made $2.9 billion, but for some reason you haven't seen it, like, but I cried through the whole damn time. And uh, it was just one of those dream projects that I got to work on, and once that project was done, then they really started to see that, like, okay, like Wyatt and Julian are like, really like, coming into their own. Like, they're actually carrying more weight than a junior team mm-hmm. should be doing. So that's what kind of convinced them to kind of promote us to uh, mid-level. And we've just been kind of, like, cruising ever since, you know?
0: Okay. Um, you referenced a few times um, your partner, yeah. um, your team. Mm-hmm. So, for those that don't know, um, I think you're actually the first creative that I had on the show. So, really? this is the first time we're getting into oh. this, this terminology. So, Ooh. for people that don't know, um, a lot of times copywriters are teamed up with art directors. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Some I'm sorry. Um, yeah, can you just break that yeah. down?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when when I when I came in for the for that internship on that first day uh it was just it was funny because like me and my partner like saw each other and we both like it was like one of those introductory type of things and I was like hey man I'm working on Adidas and he goes oh yeah you working on Adidas I'm working on Adidas and I'm like okay what are you doing copywriting what are you doing designing and he said partners and I was like yeah I had no idea what that meant I was like oh we're gonna be working on the same team but that's when I learned like yeah a copywriter and a, a art director usually uh team up together which makes a lot of sense you know you need somebody with the words you need somebody with the style to bring that word to life right so uh in the in the uh context of like the overall team like obviously you have your uh you have your junior copywriters and then you know you can move up to mid-level copywriter then senior level copywriters and then each one has like their partner like art director uh, uh junior art director art director and then senior art director here at 72 we just say designer uh i'm still not clear why Um, So I'm still like a little ignorant to the whole uh, hierarchy and naming of things. I think it's kind of like how Disneyland does their things. They don't call their workers employees. They call them cast members. So it kind of like, it honestly feels a lot better to say designer versus uh, uh, art director. And uh, here, instead of copywriters, we call them just writers. And so um, throughout the team, and this is like, this is, this is, uh we went through a couple incarnations like uh I started off on the Infinity team and then I went uh ended up doing some projects for Allstate and then uh and then after Allstate they we start doing this thing called a bullpen which now uh creatives here are no longer part of an overall team it's now like a creative department in one space where we all sit together mm-hmm. and we're kind of like creative assassins for hire where Say like a a team, a a team will go, oh, who's great for this brand? And then they'll kind of pick and choose what creatives are good for a specific brand versus like sticking a creative on one team for a certain amount of like months or years or something like that. So they'll say like, oh, we have this project coming up. Julian and Wyatt will be good for this one. Hence why we ended up working on the uh, Marvel Google partnership, Mm -hmm. because I'm a super fucking Marvel fan. And they were just kind of like, okay that guy's like really good for this. So now all the creatives are like in one big ass bullpen, which is fun because like, you know, hanging out with creatives and talking creatives can be really helpful for the creative process. It's really cool to uh, bounce ideas off of each other, which is what you're gonna need whenever a, whenever a creative steps into the ring. So uh, then um, we have a brand, we have strategy. Like back when we were in like one team, like one brand, one team, uh, we would have brand and then they would have their hierarchies and then strategy would have their hierarchies. and. Uh, where the creatives report to would be creative directors. And then it goes higher to group creative directors, which oversee multiple projects. And then you have the executive creative director, who is, here at 72, is Keith Cartwright, who is flipping amazing. That's my guy, Keith Cartwright. If you're listening, you're my guy. Love you, bro. Just saying. Uh, but <laughs> shout out to Keith. I, I have shout a shout-out to Keith. Keith, man. Keith Cartwright, that's the dude. But, uh, but yeah, like uh, the teams are pretty... Uh, uh, straightforward to understand like uh, whenever uh, you work on a project you kind of get like really close to those like people in that team because like you, you, you go through some shit mm-hmm. you go through some some great reviews some bad reviews you go through some uh, some pretty like intense uh, productions you go through the edits you go through the creative process like you spend late nights together which you'll get a lot of in advertising mm-hmm. like uh, when I came in uh, my wife was pregnant with my daughter and my daughter was born two days after I got hired and so it was like so basically when I started as a junior I had to balance a work life of infinity and um, being a a new dad so I got pretty much no sleep for like a straight up month Mm. but I still wouldn't trade that for anything in the world because now like I have this whole new perspective of a what it means to be a parent which is like a whole new experience of like being a A black black father in in general so like that's that's a whole nother story that people uh need to hear but uh yeah i probably went on more of a tangent than i should have no no that was perfect that was perfect and it was
0: it's so good that you were able you offered that position you know yeah at the perfect time (laughs) lucky (laughs) because
1: it was it was a big risk man because uh like i said i was working at disneyland for uh almost five years and i was full-time at the time and you know they have good benefits but the pay is just not it's not the best, especially like if you trying to start a family and everything. And yeah. my wife was, uh, was uh, dedicated to being a stay at home mom. So I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you do that. Don't worry, I'll take care of the finances. Yeah. First, I got to find like a, a job, a job, like a real job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, luckily, like I just like, like again, that Shia LaBeouf was in my head, just yeah. saying like, hey, just do it. Like I could have turned it down because, you know, I have like the benefits from Disney, but the pay wasn't there. Yeah. So I could have turned down the job to be comfortable uh, here, but I was like, hey, like, I'll take the internship, there's a 50-50 chance that I'll get it, so I'll just uh, really kill it as hard as I can, and then if I get hired, I get hired. If not, then like, you know, it's a risk worth taking, and obviously it paid off, so.
0: Yeah, congratulations, congratulations. So, 72 and Sunny, you've mentioned throughout the podcast that you've worked on Adidas, Infinity, Google, Allstate. Yep. What other accounts does 72 uh, currently have?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned, there's Google. uh, uh, There is Tillamook. We got Truth. NFL is a big one that we have. Love, NFL. uh, Tinder, eBay. And I am blanking on one right now. I feel like Activision. I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Activision is, is another big one
0: what's been your favorite project so far besides the the Marvel stuff?
1: Ah, damn it, I blew my wad too early. I was gonna go on and on about that Marvel yeah. project, but uh, uh, my favorite uh, besides the Marvel yeah, you paint me into a corner, man. But uh, I would say like the the Bring Yourself one, honestly. Okay. Like that was a, that was definitely like a highlight in my career because it was it was like it was my first time truly being myself. It's like a person and a creative and like not being looked at funny for giving my experience as a black man in america you know it was just uh it was just and something i was able to share with everyone and uh everyone here like understanding where i was coming from and uh i was just during that whole process i was just like anticipating like some racist dude to come out and like a layer the cable guy sweat you're like hey what are you talking about like you're you're fine like but it was, the reception was really really was really great and um just that whole process man it was like a lot of tears were shed um uh, during and the most craziest part about that project was the stories you know it was a uh, the fact that we had to like record everyone's like reasoning for why they felt like they couldn't bring a certain part of them to work. I was the one who who conducted the interviews and I was in the booth and it was this very intimate setting where you're in this like small booth with this whole other person and they're just describing like their life experiences and uh, why it either sucks to be like a black woman, like who can't be the angry black woman at the workplace or why it sucks that, uh, that, uh, whenever they speak Spanish, which is their first language, it, it can be seen by other people as like, maybe they're talking shit under their breath or something like that, but it's kind of like, no, that's just what they feel comfortable in doing. So just kind of like really sharing those moments with people and understanding that as a person of color, you're not alone in this industry feeling this way. And to show other people that there are more than just like a select few people who are feeling this way. Like there's been tons of people who say like, yeah, I totally relate to that man. Like there have been a lot of times where we were just in the room, like coming up with the idea or creating the idea. We would just high five each other, like, "Yeah, man, I experienced that." Like uh, the grape soda thing, high fived about that type of thing. Like uh, the cookout, the barbecue, like all that. Like just uh, educating people on like what a cookout like really is. Like that whole thing. Like it's just, uh, it, it was just one of those like real moments that you hope to get in advertising. You know, just those moments where it's like we're really creating something special here while you're doing it. You know, like, it's, like, whenever, like, you're making something here, like, there's always that air of, will it ever get made? Like, what are we doing here? Like, will people receive it in the right way? But the fact that you're in with a whole bunch of other people in this room and, like, we're all, like, saying the same thing and we're all, like, dedicated to moving towards the same goal, that was something that was truly special. And I hope to, like, bring that to any other project that I go on. Which... I did bring to the Marvel Google <laughs> production. <laughs> I had to throw that in. <laughs> I had to throw that in. <laughs> so
0: um, what's, what's an average day like for you at work? What time are you in the office? And like, what, what are your usual routines that you go through?
1: Yeah, so I live in a Bellflower. So I'm kind of a ways away, about an hour and 15 with traffic. And uh, uh, my normal routine is like I come in at around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Um, me and my partner just kind of like shoot the shit for a little bit. Uh, depending on like the workday, like there's there's like spectrums, right? There's like you got the the crazy ass workday where you was here till two in the morning the night before. You're back here at about like ten or eleven just to get some sleep in, and then like shit shit hit the fan. Like client didn't like the idea, so you got to scramble before two a.m. to get get a new idea out, and then it's just kind of like go 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 go, and you're talking, you're writing, and everything's crazy, you have the review, Eh, it's a little bit better, but let's try something else, and then you're back at it again, uh, then there's like your, your super slow day, where, uh, you have a deadline that's weeks away, uh, you've you, you've had about two creative reviews, like, over it already, and you don't have one, uh, that day, and you're just kind of like, you pretty much got, like, almost all the time in the world to like come up with this creative idea. And so those type of days, you just kind of sit back, you talk to your partner about how his girlfriend is, and you talk about the latest movie that you saw, you talk about TV shows, you talk about uh, uh, my daughter and why she's always drawing on the walls with her crayons and you just kind of like chill out, you just kind of absorb culture a lot. You just kind of like go on YouTube. You watch a lot of YouTube videos. You listen to a lot of podcasts. You listen to a lot of music. And then, um, like during that time, something, a light bulb might go off and then you just write it down and then you just kind of keep going at it and going at it until you hit something. And, uh, but I would say like an ad, like, like that day that's like in the middle is like, yeah, you have some, you have something to do that's due two days from now. And you come in and you're just cranking on an idea, but then like, you kind of like, split that idea. Like You can go for like two hours and then you just stop, you get some lunch, mm-hmm. take like a three hour lunch and you do the same, you just talk a little bit. And then uh, you say, like, oh shit, I just thought of something. And then you go in and you write the idea up. So it's just kind of like, it's like creatives, like a day in the life is more of like a, I find that I'm more productive when things are, uh, are chill. Like a lot of people say, like, oh, I work great under pressure, but I, I personally believe is kind of bullshit because when you work, when you're when you're under pressure and you're trying to think of something of like the next big thing, chances are you're gonna like burn yourself out before you even get there. Whereas like, and I've been re- I've been reading this in like uh, this book that I've been uh, reading at night called a uh, Life's a Pitch, where and I and also like a Hey Whipple, where's this? And uh, a lot of those always talk about like things are always better when you don't have a deadline at all. And things just kind of pop up. Your mind just kind of works things out itself. And they just usually come out of like natural conversations and natural interactions that you have with people. And whenever me and my partner are just kind of like chilling back, relaxing, kind of like I mean, you are doing right now, then that's when like my mind is like, at its most liveliest like you got to give your mind time to kind of uh be bored Mm. and boredom is like the best way to work out like a problem in your head because like your minds automatically just trying to find ways to make something fun and that's when like the best work comes out because then that's when the the fun starts to like naturally show itself and so i like those days like the average like work days when it's just like me and him maybe a couple friends were all laughing and giggling about like the finale of game of thrones and how shitty it was and uh so you're one of those i'm huh? uh, one of those guys man like <laughs> it, it, here's the thing man. i enjoyed it man. Uh, look i the the craft of the show is impeccable yeah. like the cinematography amazing the acting so good yeah all in that season okay but Daenerys man like she there was no she needed four more episodes to really make that thing come full circle. Yeah. We could talk about Game of Thrones yeah, all day man. Like, that could be that's podcast. a that's a whole another yeah. whole another podcast. We could start that yeah. all day. We'll talk about that for years.
0: All right, let, let's jump back on track. Um so I've always heard the I don't what do you call it? Um the perception of like the account team battling with the creative team <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> is that is that a reality
1: uh i had a i had a one experience with that and it was for uh and it was it was an understandable thing because like the thing is like creatives just want to we were like go big go home like let's let's do this big old thing because it's cool like let's do a cool thing but then i kind said hey let's just Pull that back a little bit. It's not feasible. And we're just like, fuck feasible. Like, so (laughs) it's kinda like we're the uh we're the cookie monsters who always want to keep eating cookies, like, because they're so fucking great, and we're just like, Yeah, let's just make some cool. But then uh the account is more like uh uh whoever's next to the cookie monster saying, like, hey, why don't you try something else every now and again? But it's a real thing. I wouldn't say as uh it's like Romeo and Juliet Capulet versus uh whatever the fuck that other family was called I wouldn't say it's like that like constantly but uh there was one project that I worked on when um uh our whole idea was like we were just creating these like social videos where they were animated but they were cg animated like 3d cg animated and uh we had I think I think it was uh two weeks to get it off and so we had to like find an animator that was cheap, that could do it really fast, which for animation, it's almost impossible. And we were just like, yeah, the animation style should be like this. And I'm like, oh, well you can't really do that, but it needs to be like this or it's not gonna be good. Like, yeah, but it can still be good. Just try. So it's kind of like that back and forth of, uh, especially when like there's like a time crunch. So it's a thing, but I wouldn't say it's like a a fucking shark versus jet type yeah. of thing, you know? Okay. But yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's, it's real. Just don't it's don't overhype it. It's it's not Kobe and LeBron. Yeah. It never happens. It's like the fight never happens. But yeah. so,
0: OK, cool. Um, What's what's your personal long term goal for your career? Where do you see yourself um ultimately ending up?
1: Yeah. So right now, since I'm like kind of smack dab in the middle of where I want to be, I kind of uh, right now see myself kind of like still honing my craft. Like we're always honing our craft here, whether you're like you're a senior or CD or whatever, but I kind of just want to uh, get my storytelling technique down to a tee. like kind of keep developing my own style and then hopefully kind of cross over and uh, end up uh, making movies, like whatever form that takes, whether it's like indie or action or like whatever, like I just love telling stories. And um, uh, who knows, like I'll always, always, been saying since I was in my teens all roads lead back to Disney one way or the other so I mean Disney's buying up everything so maybe those roads will lead to me but um probably like probably a dream a dream job that I could probably like do and then just die is like maybe work like work on either a Pixar film or a like a Marvel movie you know, yeah. but not just like any old like Marvel movie. I ain't talking like Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm talking like, <laughs> like I want to make like a Dark Knight, like Black yeah. Panther, like level type of movie. Something yeah. that, something that lasts the test of time. Yeah. And I want to do that in advertising as well. Like I want to make something that people will talk about for years and years and years. Like when I first came in, like when I started like really studying ads. There's this uh, there's this uh, one ad that I never forgot. And this is before I even. Um, actually, this is before I even thought about getting into advertising. This is. It was a. Uh, you know the Cadbury, yeah. like it's like a chocolate brand. Like I don't even know if we have it. I think it's like from the UK or something. I can't remember. But basically, <laughs> it made no sense. But it stuck with me so much. It was is basically like a gorilla. It's like an extreme close up on a gorilla. And it's like you're looking into the gorilla's eyes and then it's like a like the whole spot is like a slow like pan out all set to the song in the air tonight by Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. And as you zoom out, you start to realize the gorilla has a little bit more of human features than a gorilla should because mm-hmm. he's kind of like cracking his neck. He's got like doing these stretches. He's like in this all purple room. and You're just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> And then it keeps zooming out and you realize that the gorilla is sitting at a drum set. Like he has he has drums he has drumsticks in his hands with, with uh with the drum set and the whole time he you just you just got Phil Collins, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. And we all know the bass drop, like when that thing hits and like he pops his neck one last time and the gorilla just goes, in just do 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 And this gorilla is just like hitting that snare just like like no drummer I've ever seen. To, I can feel it coming. And then, like, the screen fades to purple. How, long, how often do you hear that? It fades to purple. And then you just see, like, chocolate, like, rise out of this, like, purple liquid. It's like, oh, yeah, good chocolate. I'm like, wait, what the fuck was that? Like, you right, know, I gotta like. Go, I got to go home and Google this. Dude, it is crazy. <laughs> like, it was the first commercial that really, like, stuck with me, like, forever, you know? And, like, even before, like, I was even in advertising, uh, I was just like, yo, you guys ever see that Gorilla commercial? Just telling people like, yo, we need to watch the Gorilla co- like right now. And then, um, and then it was funny because when I really started getting into advertising, I got into like advertising school. Like I was just looking up like, not advertising school, but it was like, I was looking up like classic ads mm-hmm. just to like get some inspiration. And lo and behold, it was that fucking Gorilla. Like they were like, everybody, oh yeah, that's the Catberry Gorilla. I'm like, you guys know about the Gorilla? And they're like, yeah man, it's a classic. I'm like, well okay, like full circle, full circle. Perfect. Thank you, Gorilla. <laughs>
0: um earlier you mentioned a couple books that you that you read. Mm-hmm. Um have you picked up any other like activities to help you um as a as a writer or just help you be creative, if it's like movies or podcasts or
1: Yeah, yeah. So anything? as I as I was saying, I I was always into movies, like infatuated with them. Like favorite movie of all time is Pulp Fiction. Uh I watched that at least 10 times a year yeah. like not even a joke and uh second favorite movie is uh her written by the amazing spike johns like he is somebody that like i really want to be mm-hmm. like i guess that will answer your last question it's like that's the person that i want to see myself like doing just someone who can cross over in film music video like he even did a, skate a videos. yeah sure. man like skate videos yeah. like i just want to like started, right? i just want to be where he's at like he even just uh directed the uh Aziz Ansari uh stand-up yeah, that just yeah. happened so like I really want to be where he's at but uh he uh yeah I was super always infatuated with movies um again second for movie is her but um then I started to like kind of broaden my horizons like my goal this year was to kind of like read more books took me till this month to start doing it but uh like I said the one that I'm reading right now is uh Life's a Pitch which is a uh, Pretty much this whole book about like how to like mark like how to basically uh uh take those moments of when uh when your life is like changing or when you're trying to convince somebody of doing something and like this is how you would do it. Um so I'm reading I'm reading more and more books. Uh I'm also like really into podcasts right now. Like I wasn't into podcasts that much and a lot of the podcasts that I weren't was into was uh, I would um I would like watch it like on youtube like i don't know why i just couldn't get into like the idea of like listening to someone talk for a while but i'm starting to get into that more like i've been listening to a lot of uh the breakfast club because they talk about like a lot of things that people in the black community are going through and just what's happening in culture as a whole from that perspective and so i've been really into it i usually find podcasts like that that just sit back and chat about life and like answer like phone calls and everything like you get a lot of insights from that yeah like you get a lot of like real people who call in with these real concerns and you give like you have like this one person who gives like their real honest to god answer that might not make sense Mm -hmm. so i was i'm always into that uh there's this one advertising podcast that i started listening to called a it's a pun rock hard ads and uh it's new, so I'm not really like familiar with like the the woman who runs it, but they just pretty much like break down like some of the more popular ads that came out in the week, which is really and they give like their commentary on it, which is really cool. Uh, ad lib, another ad pun podcast. Uh, ad age, that's ad age as a uh, uh, podcast. Love that one. I'm familiar. Um, and then um, this is what really got me, man. Like I, I told you that, in case you don't know, I'm into comic books. Um. <laughs> And uh, I thought I had to like, kind of like tone that down in order to like like get into more like normal books and um, television shows and things like that. But uh, Glenn Cole, who's uh, who's uh, one of the founders here, he, uh, we, we once had like this uh, all agency meeting and like I was fortunate enough to kind of get a one-on-one with him and this is like kind of like our, we had like a bromance bonding moment. And I was, you know, kind of picking his brains on like where does he look for inspiration and Surprisingly, like, it was in a lot lot of the same places that I was looking, like, he goes to film, he goes to, uh, but he turned me on to more foreign films, because in foreign films, they're more about, uh, their storytelling is more universal, which is why, like, uh, our American films are, like, so tailored towards, like, what Americans are doing, whereas, like, foreign films, like, go for, like, the soul of, like, humanity as a whole, so, like, when you watch it, like, anybody can have access to it um he also uh is in the comic books as well and he's like a big like frank miller fan like he's really into things like uh the dark knight returns and watchmen and all those things and so that kind of gave me like new confidence to keep using like my love for comic books and like like comic book artistry to kind of like bring that into what i do which is just another facet of like being myself and like bringing that into the work as well like i remember uh uh, getting an idea through because I remember watching an episode of Rugrats and I was inspired by an episode of Rugrats to do it was the episode where uh, 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 the babies like got all got some milk and then Tommy got the chocolate milk mm. and then they uh Angelica tries to take the chocolate milk from him all this is happening while the the dads are watching the Super Bowl and so the Super Bowl was completely like linked to what the babies were doing. So every time the kids would like throw the chocolate milk, you'll hear the TV of the guys like, "Oh, he throws a nice Hail Mary!" And the dads are like, "Yeah, yeah!" It's like it was like probably one of the funnier like Rugrats episodes. It. it was one of the first ones too. But uh, yeah, like I just uh, try to find like inspiration like anywhere I can. Like I'm not really a uh, big go to the museum for inspiration type of dude. Like I still don't understand like high art or (laughs) modern art or any type of art like that like I can get inspired by like uh, by like uh, a few paintings but they would have to like really like pique my interest you know but uh, I'm more into like minimalist art things like that Uh, vintage like movie posters like I'm super into those but I try to like uh, like I listen to like listen to music I try to listen to music and um, what I started doing was uh, to get like what are some of the hottest songs because i don't listen to radio i don't think it, a lot of people listen to a lot of radio nowadays but it gets some of the like highest songs like i go to like charts on spotify and i look up like what's like hot globally and what's hot like in the u.s and like what are the viral hits and that kind of keeps me up to date on like what music uh is out today so yeah i look in all types of places man for for inspiration
0: have you ever <clears throat> um Earlier, you mentioned you wanted to, you know, make a Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about writing comic books since you?
1: Yeah, I thought about it a uh, long, long, long time ago. I'm talking like uh, middle school. Like uh, me and my twin brother, uh, he's really into um, he's really into art. He's an artist himself. He paints murals and he makes his own comic book characters. He's actually he's actually working on a a, a passion project of his right now. It's like a, a he he makes it in the style of a manga, but I don't know if he can call it a manga since he's not Japanese, nor is he from Japan or anything, but he's making a comic book and uh, he's usually, like, the one who draws and everything, but in terms of, like, making a comic book character, like, it's never, it's something I've always found interesting, but it's nothing that I ever wanted to, like, try my hand at. Like, I don't know, I guess it's, like, I just enjoy, like, reading other people's takes on characters so much, and I guess the idea of... Taking a comic book character and taking all that history and like kind of changing it like it can it can go one or two ways, like either people will really really love it or people will hate you for the rest of your days and you 'll never write another comic book again, and that just terrifies the crap out of me yeah. like the uh, thing that the thing that i 'm referring to is uh, spider man 's my all time favorite comic character, and there was a i can 't remember i cannot remember who wrote it, and maybe I, I blocked him out of my mind but uh, he did the Clone Saga, and the Clone Saga is this just huge, convoluted story that made no goddamn sense, and a lot of people were saying that it ruined the Spider-Man character because it was just that bad, and, like, I don't want to be responsible for the death of one of my favorite characters, oh, <laughs> you deep. know, That's yeah, deep. you know, so I, I'm just going to, like, leave that to other people who, I want to get mad at other people, but I don't want to, like, be one of the people who get mad, you get mad at, so. Yeah, okay.
0: Um, you just mentioned your twin brother. I didn't know you had a twin brother. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's super dope. And the fact that he's a creative as you, just as, as you are is interesting. Yeah. So um, I guess I want to lead into um, the perception of what you do. Like, what do you tell your parents you do? <laughs> do they understand it? Because I found that, like... <laughs> Nobody
1: understands no what No one we ever do. <laughs> understands
0: it unless you're in it. So it's always, I'm always curious to see, like, what do you tell your family that you do?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, you write, so it's kind of...
1: It's it's e- it's easier, but then you you still have to be like like you have to explain that you don't direct the, the commercials that write or like uh a lot of times when a when you write like something big like there's multiple people who have their hands on it and so some if you're lucky you'll write the whole thing through and like that's yours like you you can say yeah, I wrote that whole thing. It's great. But then a lot of times you have to say oh yeah, I wrote this scene and this 30 second spot or like I I wrote that line of dialogue or oh yeah I wrote those words on that billboard like they start to go like oh you didn't write the whole billboard it's like wait what do you mean I didn't write the whole billboard like no I wrote the words on the billboard but um also like uh talking about coming up with the concept tends to bore my family a little bit like because uh uh my aunt like just doesn't understand what Advertising can do all. She knows is oh, they make commercials, right? And she thinks every commercial that comes on, I did it for some reason. <laughs> and when I told her I wanted to get into communication, she's like, oh, what do you do? I was like, I can advertise. Oh, so you mean like call people and tell them that they, uh, <laughs> yeah, like tell them, I'm like, no, not, not like that, but uh, like I can write commercials, I can write copy. She's like, what's copy? And it's kind of like explaining people yeah. what what copy is. Like, uh, yeah, like, just, like, I had to, like, really think about how to explain, like, what I do as a copywriter. It's like, oh, well, yeah, wherever you see words, that's most likely me. So it's, uh, what I usually tell people is, like, oh, yeah, I came up with this idea to do this thing, and then we did the thing. And then people kind of go, okay, all right, I kind of get it. But other than that, like, it's, you can you can explain it to the best of your ability, but a lot of times people just kind of go, yeah. Mm okay that's that's cool <laughs>
0: yeah i agree i agree i've had that same experience <laughs>
1: it's 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 funny because uh i get together with other copywriters here and we all say the same thing like uh i have this buddy named jason and he says his mom still to this day has no idea what he does i don't know if it's my just one of his parents just has no idea what he does to this day yeah. and they call him every time whenever uh because they know he worked on a allstate for a while and every time an allstate commercial came on Jason, I saw your commercial. He's like, I didn't do that one. I didn't write it. Like, yeah. you know, oh, so are you directing? No, oh, we hire a director for that. But
0: are you, um, are you, do you think about, are you conscious of like awards in the industry? Um, like, do you keep track of it? Yeah. Are you, um, is, do you set goals to, to win awards? Have you won awards? Yeah. What, what, what's your thought on, on that whole thing?
1: Yes. Yeah, the award circuit is a, uh, it's funny because I didn't know you could win awards for advertising for one. Like, it seems like you you can win award for a lot of different things. Advertising, I didn't think it was one of them, but once I found out, like, obviously that's one of the things that kind of draws you into the, to the allure of advertising, right? You're like, Oh, I can win awards and like be famous. And there's a hall of fame. Like I didn't know there was a hall of fame for advertising, but then after a while, like the more you get into it, like I found that the more you start to do things for awards the more the uh the more the uh the work that you want to do gets away from you like if you're chasing awards like you start to kind of tailor your your thought process towards like what other people will like when the key to making something great is something that you would want to see and something that you would get excited about and it's the the number one currency around here is like passion if you have passion for something then people will see that and people will respond to that and then awards will hopefully come out of that but I don't think that my goal is to win an award if I do that's great that's fine it's nice validation from you know the people in the community but at the end of the day like I'm not trying to win an award like me even when I even if I eventually cross over into movies like the goal isn't to win an Oscar you know like the goal is just to make something that I can be proud of and something that I can like have other people look back on and be like that right there was like a piece of work and there's there's some work that I really do like that have won tons and tons of awards like Nike like just killed it at Cannes this year you know they just yeah the Kaepernick thing it was amazing like there's a and I believe they won more even la- like some even last year, which i think something that was better than a Kaepernick thing it was called a huh was it the Serena stuff? was it serena i don't think it no it was a serena it was called a i want to say nothing limitless oh, yeah. limitless it was a it was probably one of my favorite spots at all like last year where like this this guy is just kind of like doing his v o and he's just going like oh yeah, man, what if I told you this girl's gonna score every time she gets the ball? What? I score every time I get yeah. the ball? Bo- and, like, the the dude is, like, you know, a gymnast, and he's all like, yeah, if we push our limits, we can be anything we wanna be, and the guy's are, like, wait, I'm not done, and he breaks the fucking, like, Nike tagline, and, like, it just keeps, like, that probably was one of my favorite spots, period, and it deserved every award it got, but I I always, like, wonder to myself, like, is this a, whoever made that like, did they make it because, like, that's just something that they always wanted to do? Just this, like, crazy progression of, like, how like big can we go with, like, athletes and how far they can go? Or was it just, like, did they get together in a room and say, like, oh, yeah, man, we need to win an award. So, like, this is what's going to win us an award. So, we need this formula to do it. You know, it, I don't think it works that way. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the best workers is people who have a clear point of view, people who have an idea that would touch people like emotionally and then uh obviously there's like a lot of politics that goes into the awards and things like that that i don't know nor do i even want to get into but uh i just feel like a lot of those things like chasing after awards like at the end of the day is pointless because then once you have it like what else is the goal just to get more awards like what's what's the goal here you have
0: know? You, do you do you know if you've won any or been a part of any campaigns that have
1: uh I have been a part of one campaign that had, uh it's one of those situations where um I can't say like oh yeah, it's my war like i i am a, a, I am a, a lion winning you know like but uh i i did v o for uh this uh call of duty uh campaign it was called a uh, Coation. And that's when they uh we put out like a bunch of like fun videos for like uh Black Ops Four for uh, the black the new blackout feature, and it was just like how crazy could we get? We had one. It was like thirty. It was like fifteen thirty seconds, and it was like these choppers that were like doing like a a mating ritual, mm. and like <laughs> I don't know how we would, but like a chopper like was about to fuck another chopper essentially, and that won a silver lion. So. Uh, but the one that uh, I lend my voice to was one that had to do with uh, Von Miller. And I played Von Miller, which was, like, a surreal thing. Was uh, Von Miller's, like, in Call of Duty. And it's, like, a fucking, like, cutout of his head with the South Park, like, mouth, like, flapping.
0: So Von Miller is a NFL player. Yeah. Those that don't know.
1: Right. And uh, he, um, you know, Von Miller's, like, he has those, like, cowboy hats that he wears, like, yep. randomly. And so, like, he's in the game. And, like, he stops. And he goes, like my line was it's time for a hat attack and the hat like flies off his head and like kills like five like soldiers and then he goes hat return to me and then the hat goes back on his head so like we won uh, three silver lions for that campaign so like I said well, I did voice work on it but I still hey, say like counts. yeah I was a part of it it counts, counts. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna uh, say like yeah I have an award winning voice in my <laughs> resume. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Um,
0: What What have you found to be the most difficult part of your job? Uh,
1: the most difficult part is uh, trying to get passionate about a uh, brand that you can't necessarily relate to, or that you necessarily don't care. Like, uh, one thing that was like pretty difficult for me was um, was uh, Infinity. In fact, Uh, working on Infinity, working on a car brand was like like my mortal enemy to an extent because i don't i'm a guy who doesn't really care about cars i'm probably one of the few people on the men on the planet that doesn't like i can tell you the difference between a camry and a ford or i don't i don't maybe those are the same thing i have no idea uh but to work on like a car brand and a big one at that like and like kind of understand like the experience that people have when they have this like uh This love of like an engine like trying to explain the engine and you know like oh yeah like it's a vc turbo it goes from i still don't know what the fuck i'm talking about like (laughs) like since i've been off it i kind of like just left that world behind but it, it was just like trying to figure out a way to find your experience with that particular brand like uh one of my uh career directors just simply said to me yeah just think about all the interactions that you've had with a certain brand and like take those to heart and like put that put that out so i really have to think about it and um i just had a daughter which means that i was looking for a car that was like now all about like safety while at the same time i didn't want to be like a fucking dork in a minivan you know and uh the car that we were advertising for was the qx50 which is like Uh, have dad car have like oh it has a vc turbo and like you can have a sports car with like the safety of a dad car and so I kind of like took that type of like lens to it and kind of like applied that voice and that made the experience a lot better and a lot more pleasant than just kind of sitting there and going like I don't know shit about cars so like I'm gonna just wing it as I go because at the end of the day like I said it's all about passion and like you got to find some type of enjoyment and optimism and like certain the certain things that you worked on like I worked on Allstate for about eight months and you know it's all about insurance and insurance bores the crap out of me but uh, the fact that like it also helped that I got into a car accident so I had to deal with insurance like a lot during that time but uh, I had to like really like think about like what does insurance do for me like what is my relationship with it like what are the uh, upsides what are the downsides and like are other people feeling that way too so like that helped a lot but that i would say like that's the most difficult part is like when you come across a brand that's what we call like unsexy like how do you make it like sexy in your eyes how do you like dress it up yeah put some makeup on it yeah
0: got it um julian this was a great interview
1: hey Um, before we go
0: uh one last question what's the best way people can get in touch with you if for
1: any reason oh yeah so this is where i plug right this is where i plug myself so you can uh find me on instagram that's the most millennial thing ever to say but find me on instagram uh straw hat goofy that is straw underscore hat underscore goofy that is a mashup between straw hat luffy my favorite anime character look him up and goofy from obviously the goofy movie Not Disneyland. Goofy movie, guys. Look it up, too. And uh, uh, I'm also on Twitter of the same name, and I also have a YouTube channel. Um, It's called Julian's The Green Room. Look it up. I do movie reviews and TV reviews and everything in between. I haven't made a video in forever, but if you subscribe, maybe I might make one. We'll see. And uh, one last thing. Oh, you guys can check out my website at JulianGreenLikes.me. That is Julian Green, likes.me. That is my website. You can check out some of the work that I've done. And uh, yeah.
0: Thank you, Julian. Cool. Shout out to Shia LaBeouf.
1: <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it.
0: What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.